Welcome to the Decision Masters Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Parker. I'm a coach who specializes in conscious, clear-headed decision-making, which, despite how hard we work and how smart we are, is not always easy. Each week, I'll bring you science-backed tools and strategies to use in your daily life and career to make more confident, authentic decisions. Oh, and we're going to make it easy while we're at it. If you're into a life with less overthinking, people-pleasing, and perfectioning, and more making what you want matter, you're in the right place. So happy you're here. Let's get into it. Hello again, friend. I think my mic is good enough that you can't hear the rain outside, but it is raining here in Los Angeles. And that's always such a good excuse for us work from homers to not leave our our domicile. Hey, I just hope you are having a great day and a great week wherever you are. And if you're experiencing some weather, probably harsher than we are in Los Angeles. Not gonna lie to you. But I hope you're bundling up and I hope you're feeling good. And I hope you're ready for an exciting conversation about fear. So we are in the middle of a series right now. We're talking about fear in the decision-making process. Today's conversation specifically is gonna cover the don'ts. Don't worry though, you're gonna still get delicious, fun to do homework. So this isn't just gonna be me telling you what not to do for 20 minutes. It's gonna be a lot more fun than that. Last week, we talked about confusion. And if you haven't listened to that yet, I really want to present a well-rounded presentation of idea of fear and how we interact with it in a lot of different forms in our decision-making. So make sure that you go back and listen to that either right now or at some point, because confusion is just one of the many flavors we encounter when we're dealing with fear in making a choice. To reiterate a concept that I introduced in the last episode, I want to remind you about the skill you're working on as we go through these conversations, which is fear fluency. By becoming more aware of what's happening with fear, becoming more adept at understanding it and responding to it, you are building up your fluency in fear. I think of fear as a language that our bodies and our minds and our emotions all speak. They are having conversations about what we're afraid of. And a lot of the time, it feels like those conversations are in the background because we are not fluent in that language. This is how we end up feeling reactive and not in charge of our choices. And this is what we're going to cover today specifically. What not to do when it comes to fear and decision making. Fear fluency is going to be your top skill in powerful, authentic, self-honoring decision. And you might be like, Kirsten, surely clarity is the top skill. Like, the ability to know what you want or confidence surely has to be more important because without confidence, you can't make your choices and follow through on them. But what gets in the way of feeling clear? What gets in the way of feeling confident? What makes a decision hard? Really, it's kind of wacky to think about the logistics of decision making because it is just a moment in time. You go from not decided to decided in an instant, and you look the exact same. Just something that happens in your head. So if the act of making a decision is not as physically strenuous as like lifting a car, or it's not as energetically or mentally strenuous as solving a complex equation, if literally just the act of deciding is having a thought inside of your head, what happens between having an idea and committing to a thought about it? 
having an idea about a desire you have, a problem you want to solve, an opportunity presented to you, and then getting to that point where you can commit to what you think about it. All right, I've decided. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to think. Here's where I stand. In the simplest, broadest terms, the thing that makes it hard to get from point A to point B is fear. It's a collection of fear experiences. And it turns out that they are very useful. But most of us don't experience fear as a useful, worthwhile, oh, great, I'm going to learn some stuff and this is going to be fun. Most of us experience fear and confusion and worry and scarcity and all of these things as a giant hassle. I mean, rightfully so. They're not the funnest, the way we typically experience them. That's why this is going to be your superpower in your decision-making arsenal. When you become fluent in your fear, your decision-making becomes 100 times stronger. It doesn't mean that it's any more fun to feel fear, but you are so much better equipped to handle it and understand it, feel like you're on your own team, and make a choice that you feel good about. So in today's conversation about the don'ts, we're going to highlight some things that you might be doing in your life right now, by default, not on purpose, that we just want to bring some attention to. And the analogy I like to use for this is, I want you to imagine you've taken a kid to a carnival, and you're in line to get on a roller coaster. And all of a sudden, this kid, who maybe has been talking about this ride all week long, Maybe has had mixed feelings, maybe been going back and forth, maybe never really expressed an interest, maybe expressed a disinterest. This kid has shown up potentially in a variety of ways to this carnival, but now you're in line together to get on the roller coaster and the kid gets scared. Imagine, if you will, the many ways you could respond in that moment. You could be super annoyed, like, uh, hello, we drove all the way here, we paid to get in. Well, you're going to be scared now. What is the point of this? Why didn't you think this through better? You could be self-conscious. You'd be like, hello, people are looking at us. Uh, what are we doing? Why did we get in line if we were going to be scared like this? You could be angry. You could be dismissive. You could be like, get over it. Let's just go. We're here. We got stuff to do. This isn't, this isn't a good thing to be scared about. You could be indulgent. You could be like, oh my gosh, wait, is this scary? This is really scary. We should be really scared. A lot of things could happen. We, we should get out of here right now. Or you could crouch down, get eye level with said child. It might be your child, but let's just imagine that it's like some kid that you care about at the least. And you could check in. You could find out what's going on here so that you could respond appropriately. Maybe this kid is so excited. They don't know what to do with themselves. And they really want to go. And they're just like, I'm having a moment. Maybe they learned new information about the experience and they were only excited about doing it if there was like no loop-de-loop. -loop. And now they're like, well, there's a loop-de-loop. -loop. I feel differently. I don't want to do it. Maybe what's presenting as fear in the moment is actually like, well, I'm scared that I'm not going to have the best time I could today because we didn't get churros first. And I thought we were going to churros first and I had this whole idea of what was going to happen and I'm worried that we're going to miss out and I'm, I'm worried that it's not going the way it's supposed to go. If you get down and talk to this kid eye level, human to human, and find out what is happening. What is this fear really about? How do you think the story of this day is going to go? Probably a lot better than any of the first scenarios we laid out when you were in line and you could have just gotten annoyed or self-conscious or judgy or dismissive. 
right? The story of the day is probably going to be one that you like a lot more if you move through that fear moment and respond to it consciously. That is exactly what I want you to be able to do with yourself in a fear moment approaching a decision. Because maybe you're considering a decision that you've had a lot of feelings about, right? You could be really enthusiastic about starting a project or going after something. And then you could get to the decision part of that process and you could feel fear. How are you responding to yourself in those moments? Are you getting down on one knee and talking to yourself at eye level, trying to figure out what's happening? Or are you doing one of the more common responses like we're going to explore today? So I promise this is going to be so much fun. We're just going to pretend we're at a carnival and your only objective is to have fun and love all your choices. And I promise this is your way in to knowing and liking your reasons for the decisions you make. If you don't send an email or you don't apply for the job or you don't go on the vacation, we want you feeling totally in charge of your choice. We want you knowing why you did it and we want you feeling empowered in that, even if you don't have exclusively positive emotions about the decision. Just like we want you knowing and liking your reasons for deciding to do something legitimately scary that puts you at risk, that maybe even gasp, you experience some failure. This fear fluency that you are building up is going to let you move through all of those moments, good, bad, and in between, staying on your own team, being more resilient, and responding to real-life problems and opportunities with your best brain. So I'm going to point out three common behaviors that I want you to pay attention to this week. These are three ways that we can typically respond to the kid in line for the roller coaster. How it normally goes when you're not fluent in your fear and fear comes up in the decision-making process is you can either avoid it, indulge it, or judge it. So your handy-dandy acronym for remembering this so that you can pay attention to it all week is, am I aging my fears? AIJ. Let's say that you're considering a decision to send an email about something at work, setting up a boundary or asking to take a lead on the project, and a fear comes up and slows you down. Remember where we started, where we we're like, what gets in the way of feeling totally clear, totally confident about your decision? So you're thinking about sending this email, but a fear comes up. Let's say that fear is, what if Dylan gets mad about this? If you respond to that fear with avoidance, it means you lack awareness of the fear altogether. You don't recognize consciously that that fear is coming up. You don't have that mindful observation moment where you're like, I am thinking a thought about Dylan. Let me address that. Usually when we're in avoidance of fears going on, we choose inaction. It's the easiest route because it doesn't force us to confront any fears. So in this scenario, you most likely decide not to send the email, but this is through inaction, not consciously choosing. Okay, here's what I'm going to do and here are my reasons, which means you have not acknowledged or processed this fear, which means it can come up again and again and again and influence a ton of your choices. The second way you might be responding to this fear is indulging it, going straight into the story. So you're getting swept away with the idea that we could piss off Dylan and then, oh my gosh, we can't do that because they're going to get in so-and-so's ear and then they're going to cut me out of the communication on this and they're going to have a bad opinion of me and I can't do that. That's dangerous. We should run away. Definitely. So in this scenario, you're almost hyper aware of the fear, but not of the fact that there is a fear thought that is worth addressing. There is a fear experience that is worth acknowledging and processing. So if you decide not to send the email in this scenario, it feels like you've been bossed around by your fear. 
because you've been swept away with, oh my gosh, what if Dylan gets mad? We can never do that. Mm-mm. No email. It doesn't feel like you've taken stock of your situation and consciously agreed that, yes, this is the best course of action for me and I like my reasons for choosing it. The third way that's sometimes our most favorite way to respond to fears, because we're cognitive people, we're pretty self-aware a lot of the time. So we can hear these fear thoughts when they come up. A lot of the time we can. We can hear ourselves saying, what if Dylan gets mad about this? Or what if it doesn't end up the way that it should? Or what if I can't do a good job? Or what if I end up regretting everything? We can be very aware of these thoughts. And one of our favorite things to do in response to them can be judge them. Horde. Oh my God, that's so dumb to think about. What's a stupid thing to be worrying about? That's so immature. I should be over that by now. I know I shouldn't be thinking that way. I know I shouldn't be thinking that way. This is where we get a little tricky with ourselves because we think, hey, I'm aware of it. I've processed it. I've decided it's not worth thinking about and it's a dumb thought. So I should move on with this decision because now I've dealt with it. I've dealt with the fear. When in fact, all you've done is invalidated and judged yourself. You see that? Did you catch what happened there? You thought about sending the email. The thought came up. What if Dylan gets mad? And instead of doing anything useful with the fear, you said, don't think that. That's wrong. You're wrong. You've equipped yourself in no way to say yes or no to this decision, knowing and liking your reasons because you haven't dealt with the fear. The fear is just sitting there like, hello, we have a concern about Dylan. We'd like to talk about um, and you've kicked them out of the room. You've been like, you don't belong here. You're not valuable. We might think that that solves it because it kicks it out of the room, but it doesn't. So if you end up deciding to send the email when all you've done with this fear is judge it, it essentially feels like you have to shove yourself off an emotional cliff because it feels very dangerous. Remember that voice that was like, uh, we have concerns about Dylan. You've basically said, I'm going to deal with that. But if we're going to send the email, it's like, I'm going to jump off the cliff and hope that it works out. <laughs> so we've thrown ourselves head first into the fear. It's kind of as if you've heard yourself but haven't listened, if that resonates with any of us. If you were talking to the kid at the roller coaster and they were like, I'm afraid this version of the story, the judging version of the story where you decide to send the email is telling the kid, don't be afraid, and then shoving them on the roller coaster. How do we think that's going to turn out? Now, if you've judged the fear and you decide not to send the email, what it feels like is that fear and your judgment of the fear were in a fight and the fear won because you didn't send the email, but you feel like crap because it doesn't feel good to feel bossed around by our fears. But the only alternative to that was fighting to judge yourself hard enough to like get over this fear and shove yourself off the cliff, which you failed to do. So you feel like a failure. Pretty sneaky, right? So what these scenarios have in common is not that fear decides for you. Remember, we're looking at three common ways we can respond to fear in the decision-making process that are not helpful. Avoiding, indulging, and judging. The common denominator is not that fear makes your decision for you. And I really discourage using language like this because it can be pretty popular to talk about conquering your fears and making fear a bad guy and characterizing people who have a lot of fears as weak when really it is just very human. Fear is not the bad guy. Uninvestigated fears will influence our decision as much as consciously acknowledged fears. Both of them are going to influence our decision-making one way or the other. The difference is, in option A, you don't feel in charge of your choices. And in option B, you know what the heck is going on. 
you feel in charge. You're maximizing your agency. You're knowing why you are doing what you are doing. You're not keeping yourself small and in a box because you're too avoidant of all the fears. So we're not going to look at them and we're just going to make the safest choice over and over and over again. That doesn't feel good. We're not going to live in fear drama. Every fear gets to like create this cascade of stress response and we emotionally and mentally catastrophize and live in chaos. We're not going to do that. And we're not going to walk around our lives judging ourselves for every single fear that comes up because remember where we started? Fear is super useful. If you're walking around a city at night and Google Maps tells you to turn left and it's a creepy dark alley, we really want fear to influence the decision we make next. It's going to be very useful. Even though the logic might say, yeah, turn left. The map says go there. No problem. We want fears informing our decisions when it's helpful. And fears coming up that we don't end up acting on still can be helpful because we can work through things that we need to have conversations with ourselves about, which is what we're going to talk about next. But essentially, you want to feel equipped to know, okay, if I'm going to send an email and a fear thought comes up about Dylan's opinions, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to know how to handle that moment so that I can still like whatever decision I make on the other side of this thought. So let's start thinking about fear as a member of the team who's really genuinely trying to help you. This is your homework for the week. Should you choose to accept it? Start paying attention to what comes up in the decision-making process to create any friction, to slow you down, to muddy up your clarity or get in the way of you feeling confident about a decision. Notice those moments. Last week, we talked about them being like speed bumps of confusion or roadblocks some of the time. Same thing. Notice confusion moments. Notice when worries come up about what people are going to think, about what's going to happen, and breathe. And just start naming those as, oh, yeah, okay, I'm having a fear. If you want bonus points, if you want extra credit for your homework this week, then start paying attention to your reaction to them. Check if you're aging your fears. Are you avoiding fear a lot of the time? Do you feel like this sense that you make a lot of decisions without really thinking through them? Like, oh, yeah, I was going to send an email, but then I just didn't. And like, I can't really tell you why. There's a good chance that there's an uninvestigated fear that happened there. Check if you get swept away in the stories of your fears a lot and really check if you're judging your fears. Take this offering from me. This idea that I shouldn't think that because it doesn't make sense is not a useful way to respond to that thought coming up. The thought's in there. And if you're tired of needing to push yourself off emotional cliffs to get yourself to do anything scary, then let's change up that process because that is not that way we have to make decisions. And it's not a sustainable way. We got to get you feeling more in charge of your choices and knowing and liking your reasons. And fear fluency is our way to do it, my friend. Okay, I hope that this is a fun little seeds planted here, fun new ways to think about fear. Next week, we're going to get into the do's of how to engage with fear in the decision-making process. We're going to keep the conversation going. In the meantime, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Make sure we're friends on Instagram at KP Coaching or on TikTok at The Decision Coach, depending on wherever you hang out. I want to hear how this was helpful and what questions you have so I can make sure we get it all. 
Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Hey, want to find out your decision style? Um, obviously go take the decision style quiz. It's in the show notes and at kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz. We all have our style when it comes to making decisions, but do you know how to use your default way of thinking to your advantage? Or do you mainly get stuck in the most annoying parts of overthinking and people pleasing? The decision style quiz has your answers, my friend. Take it right now at kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz.